Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. So we are in Jeremiah 41, 42, Hebrews 11. We are in in a a nice uh, day of change from the missions conference to the pastor's conference. Renee and I will be uh, heading over to the pastor's conference later on this afternoon for the West Coast Calvary Chapel pastor's conference. I'm looking forward to that a lot, being able to meet some old friends and see a lot of people. So that's what we're doing today. Thank you guys for uh, helping out at church yesterday. We, Renee and I were able to uh, jump on and see what was going on. And uh, I just appreciate all the work that went in, especially with this baby and running around with Claudia and Juan Carlos and everybody helping. It was great. And thank you guys for, for being there online as well. So God is good. So let's jump into the reading today. Let's pray and ask God to bless it. Father God, Thank you for this morning. Thank you for for blessing us and giving us this time. May you just guide us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in Jeremiah 41 and 42. In the seventh month of Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family, and one of the chief officers of the king, along with 10 men, came to Mizpah, to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. While they're eating bread together, there in Mizpah, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the ten men who were with him, arose and struck down Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword and to put to death one whom the king of Babylon had appointed over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gedaliah at Mizpah, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. Now it happened on the next day after the killing of Gedaliah, when no one knew about it, that 80 men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, with their beards shaved off, and their clothes torn, and their bodies gashed, having grain offerings and incense in their hands to bring to the house of the Lord. Then Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went. And as he met them, he said to them, come to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. Yet it turned out that as soon as they came inside the city, Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and the men that were with him, slaughtered them and cast them into the cistern. But 10 men who were found among them said to Ishmael, Do not put us to death, for we have stores of wheat, barley, oil, and honey hidden in the field. So he refrained and did not put them to death, along with their companion. Now as for the cistern where Ishmael had cast all the corpses of the men whom he had struck down because of Gedaliah, it was the one that King Asa had made on account of Basha, the king of Israel. Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, filled it with the slain. Then Ishmael took captive all the remnant of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters and all the people who were left in Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, captain of the bodyguard, had put under the charge of Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, 
Thus Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, took them captive and proceeded to cross over to the sons of Ammon. But Joanan, the son of Kareah, and all the commanders of the forces that were with him heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, had done. So they took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah. And they found him by the great pool that is in Gibeon. Now, as soon as all the people who were with Ishmael saw Joanan, the son of Kareah, and the commanders of the forces that were with him, and those he had struck down, Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, that is, the men who were soldiers, the women, the children, and the eunuchs, whom he had brought back from Gibeon, and they went and stayed in Geruth. Chimham, which is beside Bethlehem, in order to proceed into Egypt because of the Chaldeans. For they were afraid of them, since Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had struck down Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had appointed over the land. Then all the commanders of the forces, Joanan, the son of Kareah, Jehazniah, the son of Hoshina, and all the people, both small and great, approached and said to Jeremiah, the prophet, please... Let our petition come before you and pray for us to the Lord your God, that is, for all this remnant, because we are left but few out of many, as your own eyes now see us, that the Lord your God may tell us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I am going to pray to the Lord your God in accordance with your words, and I will tell you the whole message which the Lord will answer you. I will not keep back a word from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message with which the Lord your God will send you to us. Whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. Now, at the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called for Joanan, the son of Kareah, and all the commanders of the forces that were with him, and for all the people, both small and great, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will indeed stay in this land, then I will build you up, and not tear you down, and I will plant you and not uproot you, for I will relent concerning the calamity that I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you are now fearing. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. I will also show you compassion, so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your own soil. But if you are going to say, we will not stay in this land, so as not to listen to the voice of the Lord, your God saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt, where we will not see war or hear the sound of a trumpet or hunger for bread, and we will stay there. Then, in that case, listen to the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the son of God of Israel, if you set your mind to enter Egypt and go in to reside there, then the sword, which you are afraid of, will overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine about which you are anxious 
will follow closely after you there in Egypt, and you will die there. So all the men who set their mind to go to Egypt to reside there will die by the sword and by famine and by pestilence, and they will have no survivors or refugees from the calamity that I am going to bring on them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my wrath have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you enter Egypt, and you will become a curse, an object of horror, an imprecation, and a reproach. And you will see this place no more. The Lord has spoken to you, O remnant of Judah. Do not go into Egypt. You should clearly understand that today I have testified against you, for you have only deceived yourselves, for it is you who sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and whatever the Lord our God says, tell us so, and we will do it. So I have told you today, but you have not obeyed the Lord your God, even whatever he has sent me to tell you. Therefore, you should now clearly understand that you will die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you wish to go to reside. Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, clearly, clearly, God has given warning after warning after warning to Judah, and Judah has continually rejected the word of God, even though they said they would follow it to the letter. Why Egypt? Why, they, why were they fearful when Gedaliah was killed? When Gedaliah was appointed by Babylon, the king. And some of the Chaldeans were killed along with him. So the people of Judah now realize, well, the king's already, already come and destroyed most of our land and our city. And now that he's going to find out that his own leader or his own Chaldeans were appointed and we killed uh, our leader, he's going to come again and wipe us out. And so their only thought is, we've got to flee. And this is classic where we uh, get into a, a, a difficult situation in our lives, uh, especially when we are fearing for our health in some way. And we think, okay, I've got to take drastic actions right now. Of course, their drastic action was to try and get approval from God for the plans they had already made in their minds. Not to really ask God what to do. They were trying to get approval. Our plan is to go to Egypt to escape this. And it's, it's kind of humorous in a way because Egypt was the land that enslaved them for 400 years. And Egypt was everything that God was trying to save them from. Uh, the bondage, the idolatry, the, uh, the, uh, the rejection of, of, of Yahweh. Uh, they themselves had been very cruel for many years to them. And yet they're wanting to go back there. And of course, we know Egypt's a type of the world as well. So we have some spiritual application there. Uh, often when things don't work out for us well uh, in our Christian walks, and we need to do something drastic, we're, we're kind of like, I'm, I'm bugging out of here. I'm going back. <laughs> and we're going back into the world. And all that God says is, if you will follow me and continue to obey me, I will protect you. But if you decide to take matters in your own hands, you're going to die. You're going to die in the very place of where you think you're going to be under my protection. Quite interesting, huh? All right, continuing on into Hebrews. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that that which is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, where he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, and reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and because of an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out of a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promise, but but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have, have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them by faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise up people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. The, the one of the things when you read through these, sometimes things jump out, which is really why we read every day anyway, to let God uh, kind of speak to us, is how all of these people were looking for a better city, uh, a, a permanent home. We, I, I've always tended to just think that was Abraham, but the writer of Hebrews seems to indicate that this was why they, they operated in this kind of faith. It wasn't that they were just believing God for the immediate deliverance, protection, and provision, which they were, but they had, they had a, shall we say, a global <laughs> perspective, a worldview, 
And their worldview was not our world. It was God's world. It was his kingdom. And they were looking for that beautiful city whose architect and builder is God. Something waiting, something in the future, knowing that at this time right now in this world, we are just passing through. We're just, we're just pilgrims. And with that perspective, then they could trust and look to God for the things that seemed impossible in this world. Abraham killing his son and believing God would raise him up, resurrected physically. Abraham, I mean, Sarah, 90, 90, uh, 90 right? When she uh, conceived and had, and had her son. Phenomenal things. This, this whole beautiful chapter of the faith of these people really works nicely in with what was, we were just reading in Jeremiah. Those people were looking toward the immediate, their, their own existence and their own life in this world, and they weren't looking towards what was eternal and what God wanted to do in them, and so they were only focused on the temporal, which then led them to disobey God and ignore his word and go down to Egypt anyway. And then by that, God says, you know, you because of that disobedience, you're going to lose your life. Charles Spurgeon now, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm 37, 4. Delight in God has a transforming power and lifts a man above the gross desires of our fallen nature. Delight in Jehovah is not only sweet in itself, but it sweetens the whole soul till the longings of the heart become such that the Lord can safely promise to fulfill them. Is not that a grand delight which molds our desires till they are like the desires of God? Our foolish way is to desire and then set to work to compass that which we desire or what we desire. We do not go to work in God's way, which is to seek him first and then expect all things to be added unto us. If we will let our heart be filled with God till it runs over with delight, then the Lord himself will take care that we shall not want any good thing. Instead of going abroad for joys, let us stay home with God and drink waters out of our own fountain. He can do for us far more than all our friends. It is better to be content with God alone than to go about fretting and pining for all the paltry trifles of time and sense. For a while, we may have disappointments, but if these bring us nearer to the Lord, they are things to be prized exceedingly, for they will in the end secure us to the fulfillment of our right desires. That's beautiful. Stay at home and enjoy the blessings which God has for us and not get so worried about trying to appease the desires of the flesh. So remember those things. Keep them in mind. God is a God who wants to bless us even here and now. If we would yet trust him, something we all need to hear. Well, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and blessing us, bringing us into your word. Help us to remember these things and thank you for the example of men and women of faith that lead us to also get the right perspective of why we're here. We are here, God, to look for your city and that which you have promised us and that which is coming and the reason why you're coming back to bring us to a permanent place and give us permanent bodies 
and to be and spend a, a beautiful, glorious eternity with you. So, with that perspective, God, we can endure our body, our bodies falling apart, the the diseases that come upon us, the surgeries we have to go through, and even the difficulties, God. When there's many things going on in the world, there's discomforts of the world. So, God, help us keep our eyes set upon you, that to look up for our redemption, God, out of this place which is coming soon. And Father, in all that we pray for Israel, we pray that now as they are well inside Gaza and they are hunting God for those which have taken their people captive and, and we pray for the release of those prisoners, we pray God that you would end this war soon and there would be a minimum loss of life, God. So we just pray for your hand to be guiding and directing all the military leaders and for the innocent Palestinian people to be able to find safety, food, shelter, and water, especially for those children, God, and the elderly. We ask, God, that you not allow Hamas to use them as human shields, but to give them safety and give them refuge somewhere, God. And in all this, may your Holy Spirit be speaking to them, and may you give them dreams and visions that they would come to know you, the God of the universe, and the God of this world, who loves all mankind. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. We'll pick this up again tomorrow. So God bless you, and we will see you tomorrow, right? God bless. Bye-bye. <music>